Welcome to Women on the Line, one of Community Radio's National Feminist Current Affairs programs, produced by women and gender-diverse broadcasters at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne on unceded Kulin lands and broadcasted nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm your host, Sanya. On today's show, we speak with Fijian Australian-born artist Yasbel Koko, who is one of the lead artists for Kal Angamkal, Stories from West Papua. This documentary art exhibition illuminates the little-known history of exiled West Papuan elders residing in Nam through the unique lens of the community's youth. Yasbel has collaborated with West Papuan artist Cindy Makabori to bring this project to life. The exhibition features new film works in which six young community members conduct interviews with their chosen elders. Kal Ungumkal will be debuting at the Footscray Community Arts Centre on the 1st of November and will run until the 28th of January 2024. Let's hear from Yasbel. Hi, my name's Yasbel Kirko. I'm an Australian-born Fijian artist and community worker. My art practice mainly focuses on weaving and communicating Melanesian stories through the arts. Um, and I've just recently dabbled in filmmaking for this project. It's so great to have you on Women on the Line. Um, so I wanted to just ch- chat about your upcoming documentary exhibition. You're set to open it. Mm. It's Carl Angam Carl next week on the 4th of November at Footscray Community Arts. Can you tell us about the title and what brought you and your collaborator, Cindy Makabori, to create this artwork? Mm. Yeah, I've been really fortunate to be collaborating with West Papuan sis Cindy Makabori on this project. Me and Cindy, we've been working together in activist spaces for quite some time, um, mostly in Pacific Climate Warriors. Um, And more recently, we've been collaborating on the Free West Papua Movement uh, for the past few years. Um, And this project actually initially started in 2021 um, as, I guess, an action to uh, document elders um, in the Melbourne-based West Papuan community. Um, 2021 was the 60th anniversary of the first Morning Star flag raising in um, in West Papua, and we got together with a group of other activists um, to coordinate actions around the country. And this idea of documenting elder story came out uh, came out of those meetings. Yeah, and we wanted to document elder stories uh, because some of the elders here in Melbourne are actually older than the Indonesian state, so. It was a way of showing, I guess, just how new, I guess, Indonesia is and, um, you know, talking about, you know, the occupation in West Papua. Um, Yeah, and we were inspired by a Guam-based media org called Nihi Kids. And Nihi Kids, they uh, work with young people to interview elders and they cover a broad range of topics from, like, culture to, like, um, Indigenous foods to, um, you know, military in Guam. So a really broad range of topics working with young people. And I guess we basically wanted to do a similar thing with um, West Papuan young people here in Melbourne. Back in 2021, Cindy uh, was just documenting these stories on her phone. Um, And actually the opportunity came about to do an exhibition with Footscray Community Arts. They were interested in doing a project with the community. Um, And that kind of gave us, I guess, the resources and the ability to upscale the project into this exhibition that um, is opening very, very soon, um, which is really exciting. 
Um, the title itself, Kal Ongam Kal, uh, we kind of went on a process with the community where we uh, hosted um, lots of community meetings throughout the year to prepare the community for the next stages, to get their input. Um, but I guess that process was also about making sure the community had a sense of ownership of the project as well. Um, and something really important we wanted to do was for the title of the exhibition to come from the community. Um, and we, I, I remember the community meeting that we talked about the title so well, like we had lots of kind of round and circle conversations and then um, we finally came back to uh, Cull, uh, which is, I guess, um, it's a version of deep listening, um, but it actually means conversation. And Among refers to the Amongmay people. So the phrase itself comes from the Amongmay people of the Timika region in um, West Papua. And the language, um, I guess, like, it, it's also, I guess, a subtle reference to the Timika is actually where the Grassberg Freeport mine is in West Papua. It's also a reference to that community. You know, there's lots of human rights abuses and tension in that area. And um, yeah, I guess it's like a, a centre of like the West pa Free West Papua campaign. I just love how there is like you met through doing like social justice work together. I mean, social justice work is just mm -hmm. a very even, um, I guess, especially in pop cultures, like it's, it doesn't even describe the level of work that you actually do, right? Mm -hmm. Within communities. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like the translation of it, uh, it misses out in a lot of the things that is, that is covered. Yeah. And I think that what's interesting about using a specific um, tribal word, I suppose, to describe the exhibition, not having seen the exhibition yet, but I'm imagining that you would have spoken to people who are involved in the project. They're from many different tribes within the West Papua mm. community. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so there was something that you mentioned in your media release about working with film as just a modern form of how mm. you share cultures orally as Melanesian women. Mm. Can you mm. please speak to how like your legacies of oral storytelling have informed the process of making this film? Mm. Yeah, totally. I think like, you know, it, it's not even just that, like even, you know, my, my practice itself like started with weaving and weaving, like I had to sit and learn and dedicate time with it. And um, I think that, you know, even the foundation of doing this work, I can see it in that practice of weaving um as well working with film was really important because I guess it's such an important tool with activism but we we are oral storytellers so using this medium I don't know the, sto the storytelling really came so naturally and I think working with young people as well like I was just so gosh, like I was so taken away by how um, professional and how easy they could um, interview their elders because um, I guess it does, it is something that sits with us culturally. This is how we share our stories, is working orally. You know, like I, I, I wish that there was more opportunities for Pacific women and Melanesian women to, you know, to work in film because it's, it is um, something I think we're really naturally accustomed to within our cultural practices. 
Yeah, I remember at the start of the year, you know, when we were on our Friends film set, you were mm. a bit nervous about like, oh, um, having a lot of equipment around and how uh, community members would uh, go about like being behind camera and whatnot or being in front of the camera. Mm. Did you mm. ever find that that became a barrier? It, didn't, it sounded like it, it, the interviewing process um, felt really smooth, but were there ever any barriers mm. with the technology? Yeah, well, in the beginning, so we hosted a series of workshops for the young people at the beginning to, I guess, prepare them for what it was going to be like with filming. I was really impressed by um, the questions and the material that they had come up with and also all the young people, they got to choose the elder that they um, interviewed. And I was so impressed by the ownership they took over, wanting to, like, research and learn, like, learn more about the elder that they were interviewing um, and all of them had relationships with the elders beforehand as well. So um, that helped also. The technology, gosh, it's so funny because I think like, like it was definitely an artistic choice to, like I really wanted there to be a lighting person. I really wanted to work with a proper cinematographer. And it was definitely an artistic choice because there is a very long history of how Melanesian people have been documented in film. And I guess that history it does have like a very uh, ethnographic and anthropological kind of like lens. And um, I guess us as Melanesian women stepping into the storytelling role and using this form, um, we have to counteract that history. So I really wanted to make sure that what we produced was of very high quality and like our young people and our elders just glowed. That was like something that was really, really important to me in making this work. Yeah, it was so funny. Like, I think it was a bit daunting at first when the young people got behind the camera and there's like lights and stuff. But then also there was like really funny moments where like, you know, we had these um, uh, young women who were in the project who they would ask us to turn the monitor around so they could like check their makeup in the monitor before we started filming and you know, like they just like really eased into um, it after a while. So I'm really, really impressed with these young people and their professionalism. I love that. I love the glow up and the glam up. And, <laughs> and um, I, I love that you wanted, you intentionally had this idea of like counteracting uh, mm. these narratives and also the mm. uh, the visual aesthetics of um, mm. that's being mm. portrayed of Melanesian people. So I wanted to hear a little bit more about the workshops that you had with the young people. Can you tell mm. us about that? Yeah, we were so lucky. Um, Namila Benson, who's a Papua New Guinean journalist and writer, came and facilitated some of the workshops for us. And um, it was just like such a dream to have her and to have that representation of another Melanesian woman in a leadership role um, who does this work. So that was really special um, we also were supported by the local youth service where we hosted it and the youth service, it was really great. Some of the young people hadn't been to that youth service before, so it made a connection there. Um, and having those resources and support services and things that the youth centre have available for young people, especially working on a project like this, um, is just like so invaluable. Um, and really, I think, adds to the integrity of the project. The workshop, even though we had, we had said that they were for the young people and they were very youth orientated, like, the parents wanted to come and see what was going on and it was they were really really successful and actually on our second workshop we had 
like these parents turn up with their kids asking us if like this is where the youth workshop was happening because <laughs> they had heard about it from other parents whose kids were in the program but they were such a great success and we're actually hoping to continue them into next year as well um, outside of the exhibition so really hoping to continue the longevity of the program itself and we've been trying to embed opportunities for mentoring in those sessions as well for young people you know maybe in a few years from now they'll want to take over this project and become filmmakers themselves so we really hope yeah we inspire them to learn new skills and um, you know they really know their struggle so well and they're the best people to be leading that storytelling process so I'm really hoping I can have an early retirement from running this project um, and that they can take over the process in the future. Oh my gosh, I'm like laughing beyond mute. Like, this is, yeah, you still things like early retirement from this project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think. Well, you're almost know. 30, so, you know, <laughs> you are entering yeah. retirement years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I think, you know, I, I've been, it's like an honour to like work on this project. You know, as a Fijian woman, you know, I'm not West Papua and, you know, I'm Melanesian, like, but I, I really want to see them become the storytellers in the future and take over. And um, I, but, but to be able to do that, they needed to see us do it first, yeah. you know, and they need to feel seen. So I'm really hoping um, in the future they'll, we'll always be here for them. You know, we'll, we'll, we will never stop like fighting for the young people in our community, but we want them to feel like they can um, be the ones um, at the front or the ones who are leading the campaigns in the future. Definitely. And I think mm. like your focus on intergenerational storytelling and also mm. intergenerational relationships, just it seems mm. like this is really on the forefront of it. Can mm. you tell us like um, listeners, like some of the community members that are involved in the project and any other mm. eye-opening moments for you on the set? Yeah, gosh, I think I cried basically every day of filming. Um, just, yeah, like really didn't anticipate like I think maybe because the young people had put the effort in um the elders felt like they could really share their stories and I I still am like just so grateful for um what what was shared in the filming process and that people felt comfortable to do that and I'm you know I I think that these young people they've they've been so mature in handling and holding these stories as well. It's really special. Something that was also really amazing was um, two of the young people, they wanted to in interview their parents. These two young people, their parents were a part of the 43 West Papuans who came to Australia by boat in 2006. Um, and their arrival, it caused diplomatic tensions between Australia and Indonesia at the time. I remember that uh, weekend when we filmed both of those intergenerational interviews between the young people and their parents and um, you know I'll never forget that week I think I was just so overwhelmed by you know what these young people they inherited you know they inherit these stories from their parents you know they're the ones that have to keep telling those stories and both those young people are 16. Uh, one of them was actually in the original, was in the original iteration of this project back in 2021, back when she was 14. And I think that her maturity has changed so much. And her dad actually shared quite a lot with her about his experience and why he um, decided to travel to Australia by boat and his experiences in West Papua. 
and it was, it was quite heavy, but she handled it so maturely. And I, I'm just so appreciative of uh, what people have shared in this project. On community radio around Australia, you are listening to Women on the Line. You've been hearing us chat with Fijian Australian-born artist Yasbel Koko about her project with West Papuan artist Cindy Makapori. The project is titled Kal Angam Kal, Stories from West Papua. Before we get back to the interview with Yasbel, let's hear a preview from Kal Angam Kal. We'll hear from some of the West Papuan women involved, Antamina Rumaropin, Babuan Bukar Piope, and Papuan Amote who was one of the 43 West Papuan refugees in 2006. These women speak about why they've chosen to participate in the documentary. Hi, my name is Papuan Amote. I come from a tribe called Paniai tribe. I want the youth people to encourage them to be uh, embrace the cultures and where they come from and know more about, I guess, more about their own Elders. My name is Antomina Rumaropen. My tribes call Wamesa tribes. I want my grandchildren to know where they come from, to connect it with their culture. Nama saya Babuan Mirino. Saya berasal dari Biak dan su- saya suku Biak. Iya, karena ini sangat penting. Ya, sangat penting untuk kami bisa sampaikan apa um, uh, kita berada di sini dan keadaan yang seperti ini sangat penting untuk um, bisa menjadi um, uh, menjadi pengalaman untuk kami dan dan ini jelas sekali karena ada gambarnya. Jadi kita tidak bisa buat sesuatu untuk tidak ada gambar, tidak ada bukti yang benar-benar. Kalau begini, kalau seperti ini sangat penting. Jadi kita punya apa yang hidup ini kita lakukan dan sepanjang kehidupan kami dan sampai dengan saat ini kita buat apa itu sudah ada gambarnya. You just heard a preview of Kal Angam Kal, featuring some of the West Papuan women involved, including Antomina Rumwaropen. Babuan Bukor Piope and Papuana Mote. Let's now hear a bit more from Papuana Mote about her experience seeking refuge in Australia as one of the 43 West Papuan refugees. Um, how long was the, the boat ride, the trip? You, how long was it meant to be? We were told um, that, you know, when we reached Australia, Approximately the journey take six hours, but six hours turned out to be um, four days and three nights in the sea. So we land in Waipa, that is in up northern Queensland, and then we started there. We came nearby the river. That was the first day that we found that there's a land. Some of my, you know, all the uncles has to went out and swim. And they saw the sign say, do not swim here. There's uh, lots of crocodiles. So they're like under Australian yeah, governments. And they're like, we're in Australia. And we're like, ha, we're back in West Papua. Or maybe I'm thinking, you know, we're in Papua New Guinea or somewhere. But yeah, no, they say, no, we're in Australia, actually. <laughs> so we stay there for one night. So the river is mid the sea. 
so while we're sleeping in the night, we slept just next to the the shore. And as you can sit there, you can see all these crocodiles in front of you, the eyes and everything. Mm-hmm. But thank God that, you know, no one get hurt. The next day, next morning, then we hear like little, like airplane, like a Cessna. You know, the journalists come around by airplane and around, like going around the circles. We were like exhausted and hungry and all this stuff. You just heard a preview of Kal Angam Kal featuring Papuana Monte. Let's now head back to our interview with Yasbel Kaka. So there was something that I did notice on your Instagram that community members were diving into their personal archives, like say photos, for example, <laughs> um, were public yeah. archives of like West Papua history also used in the project? And what was it like to work with archival material, both personal and public? Mm, totally. Well, I, you know, this also links back to, you know, counteracting that history. You know, we need to handle archival material so delicately and with the utmost care. We did use some news footage um, from the arrival of the 43 West Papuans. And it, I think that it was used just to frame the conversation. But, you know, we have to think wisely about how we use that kind of footage as well. The personal photographs. I guess they became like a tool to open up conversations between young people and elders. And um, we had asked elders beforehand if they had photos and things that they wanted to talk to. So they kind of came with these stories prepared that they wanted to speak to. Uh, One of the elders we interviewed, she hadn't looked in her personal archives in like years, like 15 years, I think she said. And it was just like she would never have sat down with her grandchildren to go through uh, her own collections for any other reason apart from you know being a part of this project so she was really grateful for the opportunity to do that with her grandchildren. So I was also like thinking of like the documentaries that have been made Mm. about West Papua and I noticed that there were a lot of British filmmakers who Mm. had made um, documentaries in West Papua. Can Mm. you tell us like how your documentary kind of stands apart from what's been made so far? Yeah, well, our first one that has been made by, um, like, a West Papuan before, um, or, you know, Melanesian women, Pacific women before. So it's really exciting to, I guess, you know, it changes the positionality of it you know, completely, to move from being like an observer to like being in the first person. It's It was such an honour to work with Cindy because she has watched all these kids grow up their whole lives and she knows them very well. The way she works with them was just like so caring. I think a goal for this project has been to reclaim the, the narrative of this story. I think there's this long history of Melanesia being represented as like the last un, the last frontier or something like that. But it's always positioned with in relation to, you know, the Western world in like this very, you know, primitive way. You know, the complete opposite is true. This story it, it really counteracts that long history. And also it's it's a diasporic story as well. And it's a complex diasporic story because a lot of these elders that we interviewed, they live in exile. They're barred from entering Indonesia. So, you know, there's a lot of history that um, goes into that as well. 
Definitely, and I imagine a lot of like thoughtfulness and consideration in um, not just the making of the film, but how it will live beyond, I guess, the production of it. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess I wanted to speak to the future life of this project. So who is this documentary for and where would you like to see this going forward? Gosh, I, you know, I really think that just from the experience of doing the workshop program and how other young people were interested in learning about solidarity. So I really hope young people, they want to learn more about um, this, this, um, you know, West Papua. I think, you know, it would, I already feel, you know, it was so meaningful when some of the young people were telling their friends at school about the project. For me, that means the project is a success because I think we've cracked the teen market as far as I'm concerned. So at the moment, the project is sitting in an exhibition space at Footscray Community Arts Centre, but we would like to collate it into um, a film, you know, can be used for to share the story of West Papua. Yeah, and I think it's also just like a resource for the community as well for however they see fit. So we've worked with the community to make sure that they, you know, have copies of all the material and, you know, they, they can always access me and Cindy to talk about how they feel about the project and how they're represented as well. I hope that's the future, is uh, connecting with the teens, the teen market. Well, we'll wait to see in November 4th at the opening. Like, how many of your friends yeah. actually show up? <laughs> and how many TikTok videos will be made after this about the opening of the exhibition? Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. There was some ideas for TikToks, actually, at our last workshop we had with the young people. So uh, do expect some TikToks in the future. Um, so just lastly, what can we expect to see on November before how can listeners keep up to date with Kalangam Uh well like us on Instagram um so we have a page that um is is kind of being run by the young people and us um so you can like us at Kalangam Cal and on November 4th you'll ex- please expect a big islander feed um and uh, there'll be some traditional dance, uh, welcome. Um, yeah, and it's also just an opportunity to meet the community and have a bit of a celebration. And that's all for Women on the Line today. We spoke with Fijian Australian-born artist Yasbel Kirko about her documentary art exhibition Kal Ungam Kal with West Papuan artist Cindy McAbory. Kal Ungam Kal is the first film exhibition to tell the stories of the West Papuan community by the community in Nam. The exhibition is on at Footscray Community Arts from the 1st of November till the 28th of January 2024 and will feature a couple of public programs including the exhibition opening on the 4th of November. Visit footscrayarts.com for more information and follow Kal Ungam Kal on Instagram. Thanks to the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support. The theme music for Women on the Line is by Ripley Kavara. I'm Senya, and tune in to Women on the Line next week on your local community radio station. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. 
For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.